You're listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. Thank you for leading us in worship. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm thankful to be here. I appreciate Brother Jeff giving me this opportunity to come and, and to preach. Um, I'm in my 50th year of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll finish up 50 years in a few months. And um, so the Lord's uh, kept me at it. And we've been all over the place preaching. You can be seated. You don't have to stand up. I know you're tired of standing. Uh, I don't know why on these contemporary songs we have to stand all the time. When you get old, you're not able to stand like you were when you were young. Amen? Amen. But it's good to be here, and I'm excited about it. And you're not here by accident. I want you to understand that. Nobody is in the house of God today by accident. In the providence of God, He brought you to this place. That word providence means to see beforehand and make plans accordingly. Long before the world was in existence, God made plans for you to be here today. And there's a reason for you to be here today, because I believe that God has given me a message that He wants you to hear. And I'm thankful that there is hope in Jesus. There is eternal life in Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. There is no other alternative. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. I want to begin this morning with one verse of Scripture as a jumping off place, or starting place rather, and uh, for, for my message today. It's found in Psalm 1, you don't even have to turn to it if you want to, you can, but it's Psalm 142 and verse 4. The psalmist says, I looked on my right hand and beheld... But there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, and no man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. I'm a traveling evangelist. I go all over the, I go all over the place preaching the gospel. I've been in a number of foreign countries. I've been in many states in the U.S. And I am finding that there are a lot of people whether in Jackson, Mississippi, or they across the world, or wherever they might be, they really feel like nobody cares about them. Nobody from the church has sought them out. Nobody's tried to, to minister to them. Nobody's tried to share the gospel with them. And they just really feel like nobody cares about them. And I want to use that thought around a, a question that's going to form the basis of my message this morning. I want to ask you this simple question. And then I want to answer it with God's Word. Does anybody, does anybody care if you go to hell? People are going to hell by the multitudes all around us. And I think that's a legitimate question to ask. Does anybody care about you? I don't know most of you. A few I do, but most I do not know. You may feel like that nobody cares about you. I mean, life has dealt you a hard blow, it seems. I mean, you may be out in the, in the cold, and it's cold out there today, amen, in the last few days. You may 
might not be able to live in a nice home and whatever else is bothering you. And, and, the, and you just really feel like nobody cares about you. I want to ask you again, does anybody care if you go to hell? Because there's only two realities, heaven and hell. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's many ways to hell, just neglect Christ and go down any one of those ways. I want to tell you today, who cares if you go to hell? First of all, I want you to notice with me from the Word of God that God the Heavenly Father cares if you go to hell. The Word of God says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is the will of holy God that all be saved. That does not mean that everybody will be saved because they will not. But He wants them to be saved. As a matter of fact, if you go to the Bible, beginning in Genesis going through the book of Revelation, you'll be amazed at how many times the call of God, the plea of God, the invitation of God goes out to a lost person to be saved. We go to the first page of the Bible in the, in the book of Genesis when our first parents, Adam and Eve, were placed in that perfect paradise. But we know that they sinned. And that sin separated them from God. But what do we find God doing? Do we find God abandoning them? Do we find God leaving them alone? No, the Bible says God came down in the cool of the evening. And he says, Adam, Adam, where art thou? I promise you, God, was, uh, God knew where Adam was. God wasn't looking for information. What did it really mean when God asked that question, Adam, where art thou? It was as if God was saying to Adam, Adam, you've sinned. You've rebelled against me. You've gone out of my way. But Adam, I care about you. I love you. I want to make a way for you to be reconciled unto me. And folks, listen to me. It doesn't matter what we've done. We all have sinned. Amen? Some of us greater than some of the rest of us. But the point, all of us have sinned. And our great God doesn't throw us away and abandon us and send us to hell because we've messed up. He has a way to reconcile us unto himself. And if you go through the Bible, listen, if you go through the Bible, you're going to find that there are over 1,900 times, over 1,900 times that the call of God, the plea of God, the invitation of God goes out to a lost person to be saved. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, he says, Look unto me, and be thee saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. In Isaiah chapter uh, 55 and verse 7, Notice what it says. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. And then the most familiar verse in all the Bible, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son. That's what Christmas is all about. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Folks, I'm not going to heaven because I'm preaching to you today, because I try to live right and do right and help people and all the rest. I'm going to heaven simply because one day, as an almost 11-year-old boy, I asked God to forgive me of my sins. I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and he did, and he saved me, and he changed me, and he's given me the greatest privilege in all the world to tell others about him. Who cares if you go to hell? God the Heavenly Father cares. But number two, who cares if you go to hell? God the Holy Spirit cares. Now our God is one God, but in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God, three persons. And the Holy Spirit is God's messenger to our heart. And I mentioned those 1,900 invitations in the Bible. Interestingly enough, the last of these over 1,900 invitations is found in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 17. And here's what it says. It says, let the Spirit and the bride say come. Let the Spirit and the bride say come. Preacher, what does that mean? That's it. It, it means as if God was saying to John on the Isle of Patmos as he wrote the book of the Revelation, John, even though we've made all these other calls and pleas and given all these other invitations, let us give one more opportunity for people to be saved. Let the Spirit and the bride say come. You see, God has chosen his Holy Spirit to be his messenger to your heart and to my heart. I can preach till I get blue in the face and pass out. And I can't save anybody. I can't convict anybody. I can't do anything spiritual. But I can proclaim the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will take that and impart that to your heart. I've heard that testimony even this morning from a young lady here. Many years ago, heard me preach over at what was Timberlone Baptist Church. Some of y'all don't know what that, where that was, but I, uh, anyway, that's a whole other story. But anyway, God has chosen His Holy Spirit to be His messenger to your heart. And you know what I believe? As I told you, you're not here by accident. God brought some of you here today to be convicted and to be touched by the Spirit of the living God, to point you to Jesus Christ because He loves you, to save you, to redeem you, to give you a better life than you have now, to give you the best life until now that He takes you to heaven. He brought you here for that because He cares about you. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is in the house of God tonight. Man, I tell you what, it was exciting, the, the, the singing, and I even heard some people shout. Don't hear a lot of Baptists shout very much anymore. But praise God, we got something to shout about. Jesus saves. Jesus is Lord. Jesus will save you. He will redeem you. Don't let the devil lie to you. The devil will lie to you. He'll tell you that why. Look what you've done. Why God won't forgive you of that. Let me tell you something. If God can save murderers and adulterers, he can save anybody. And fornicators, you name it. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. So the Holy Spirit of God cares where you go to hell or not. Thirdly, who cares if you go to hell? God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. Number three, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot look at the New Testament. 
You cannot read the Bible without coming to the unmistakable conclusion that Jesus Christ cares about your soul. Do you remember there in the New Testament, the, the scribes and the Pharisees of the Pharisees, they were religious hypocrites. They, they caught a woman in the very act of adultery. And they brought her and they flung her at the feet of Jesus. And they were trying to trick Jesus. And, and, and they said, Rabbi, what, what should we do with this old vile, wretched, filthy, sinner woman caught in the very act of adultery? And I can, just, I can just picture that moment. I can just see the hair and the uh, neck of Jesus kind of rising up in righteous indignation as he saw the hypocrisy of those people. And the Bible says he knelt down and he wrote something in the dust of the earth that Bible scholars debate to this very day. And then he turned to that bunch of religious hypocrites and he said, You, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. Because the law said she ought to be stoned to death. You know what the Bible says? It says they just kind of withered away. But I want you to notice what Jesus said to that woman. Caught in the very act of adultery. He didn't say to her, oh, that's okay, you can continue to live like that. You can live in sin. You can live in it. No, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and what? sin no more in effect he told her to repent of your sins I'll change your heart I'll change your life I can change your actions and you can have an abundant life Jesus said I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly folks listen to me Jesus Christ offers us the very best life there is and red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in His sight. Amen. Amen. Who cares if you go to hell? God the Father cares. God the Holy Spirit cares. Jesus Christ, God's Son, cares. Number four, who cares if you go to hell? Listen to me. The saved in heaven cares. Let me give you one of the most familiar, misunderstood, misquoted, abused verses in all of the Bible. It's Luke chapter 15, verse 10, where Jesus says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. <laughs> now, I would ask a question uh, this morning. You're in a service, and, and people are being saved. And how many of you have ever heard said, or maybe you said, why the angels in heaven are rejoicing today? Folks, I got my hand up. I've said that before. Brother Jeff might as well get his hand up. He said that before. Amen. Is that what the Bible says? Not at all. It says there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now listen to me. I'm pretty sure that when somebody is saved, that angels do, to rejoice, do rejoice to some extent. But listen, dear people, they, don't know, they do not know how to adequately rejoice for one simple reason. They are ministering spirits and have never been lost. So therefore, they don't know what it's like to be born again, to be saved. But listen, there's a vast multitude in heaven right now that once were lost, they got saved. And then through death or whatever, God has taken them to heaven. And they're in heaven today, and they're looking over the banisters of heaven. 
and they're cheering me on. There's probably a mama or grandmama or granddaddy in heaven got a son or a daughter or grandchild here today, and they're cheering me on. They're saying, preacher, preach. So my baby, my son, my daughter, my grandchild can be saved and spend eternity in heaven with me. It's talking about those who've gone on to be with the Lord, like my mama, my, my daddy, my grandparents, a baby that we lost, a grandbaby that we lost, that we didn't really lose. We'll see them for eternity one day. I want you to know there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. That means that they will throw a big party in heaven when somebody's saved today. And God brought some of you here today to save you to redeem you, to write your name in the books of heaven never to be erased. Let me tell you a true story. Years ago, several years ago, a number of years ago, I did a revival in Somerville, Alabama. I don't know if y'all know where Somerville, Alabama is. It's up north Alabama. And this church that I did the revival in was located up on the mountain there in Somerville, Alabama, or right outside of Somerville, Alabama. And early in the week of that revival meeting, the pastor was telling me about a man in their community that the church had been praying for for 15 years to be saved. Literally praying for 15 years to be saved. I'm sure his mama been praying all his life for him to be saved. And maybe his daddy, I don't know. But anyway, on Monday night at that revival meeting, the church was jam-packed, and that fellow was there, Brother Jeff. And let me tell you about it. He was right in the middle. It wasn't like this. They had, like, I don't know if they had two sets of pews or three, but he was right in the middle, uh, uh, and then he'd have to have about four people on this side and about four people on this side. And that's what the devil does. He puts people, hymns them up, so they got to walk across in front of somebody else to get saved. But anyway, the Spirit of God was so real that night and, and gave the invitation and people started coming, getting saved and getting right with God. And this fella that they'd been praying for, man, he gripped hold of the pew. He literally shook and trembled. His knuckles turned white. I mean, he was under severe conviction, but he wouldn't come and give his heart to Jesus. The imitation went on and on and on, but he held on. He wouldn't come. And despite all that God could do, despite all the Holy Spirit could do, despite all that I could do, he left that service without Jesus. Man, those people were so excited initially, but it was like letting air out of a balloon. Oh, they had prayed so hard for him to be saved, and he left without Christ. Tuesday night came, he didn't show up. But guess what? Wednesday night came and he showed up. And guess what this time? The Holy Spirit put him on the outside of the pew. I know God's at work when people sit on the outside of the pew. Man, I gave the invitation, preached and gave the invitation. The Spirit of God was so powerful that night. And that man put that death grip on that on that pew again he shook he trembled his knuckles turned white he wouldn't turn loose we went through I don't know several stanzas and it got down to that point in the imitation where legitimately as a preacher you just feel like out of integrity you can only say we're going to give one more stanza one more stanza of just as I am or something like that takes about 30 seconds 
And I said, there's somebody here, if you don't come now, you're going to be lost eternally. Folks, I'm here to tell you, as God is my witness, it was like an invisible hand knocked his hands off that pew, and down that aisle he came. And, and if we have anybody here that's a carpenter, I've never been in a church that had an had a aisle with an elevation like it was like that right there if you got on in that aisle you coming forward where you wanted to or not and down the aisle he came and folks I'm in a I'm in a my black friends I'm in a white church y'all understand don't know how to get excited about nothing I'd never heard I'd never heard Baptist shout before but man he started down the aisle and they started shouting brother Jeff Almost scared me to death. I'd never heard Baptist shout before. And I'm here to tell you, by the time he got to the preacher, 15 or 20 of them were up there hugging on him and loving on him. I understand perfectly. Luke 15, verse 10, there is joy in the presence of the angels of heaven over one sinner that repenteth. I understand it very well. Let me tell you something. There's nothing I've ever done in my life better than seeing people give their heart and their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing better because I know when they give their heart to Christ, they're going to have a different kind of life. They're going to have a joy-filled life. They're going to have peace, and they're going to have victory that they've never experienced before. They, they, they don't have to get beat up by the devil any longer because they have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside them to help them to live for Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to come today and do that. Who cares if you go to hell? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the saved in heaven. And listen, lastly, well, next to lastly, but basically lastly, listen to me. The lost in hell care if you go to hell. You say, preacher, I must have misunderstood you. If you got your Bible, I'm going to prove it. Look at Luke chapter 16 very quickly. Luke chapter 16. And I'm saying that the lost in hell care if you go to hell. In Luke chapter 16, we have the most definitive passage in all the Bible about that awful place called hell. It's a story of the rich man and Lazarus. Y'all have heard that story before. I want you to look at me. I just want us to read it together, okay? Let's, let's just take the time to do it. I know y'all hungry, and we're going to get you down there just soon, but listen to me. Eternity is a lot more important. Look at Luke 16, verse 19. It says, There was a certain rich man, was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass. Listen that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, 
Between us and you, there's a great gulf fix, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, then he said, verse 27, I pray thee therefore, Father, that I would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, listen, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Underline those next two verses. And he said, Nay or no, Father Abraham, they won't listen to the prophet. They won't listen to the pastor. They won't listen to the evangelist. But if one went unto them from the dead, that is hell itself, they will repent. Underline, put stars by it, circle it. Verse 31, and he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rose from the dead. What happened? There was a rich man and a beggar. The rich man reminds me so much of many modern Americans. He had everything that he thought he needed except the most important thing, a relationship with Almighty God. He had prepared for everything except that. And the Bible says he died. Can I tell you something, folks? You're going to die. You don't have to get old to die in South Jackson, Mississippi. Amen? I watch the news. Or Summit, Mississippi, where I live either. You're going to die. And when you die, you're going to be saved or you're going to be lost. You're going to go to heaven or you're going to hell. And this man prepared for everything except to die. But the Bible says he died, and the very next phrase says, and in hell. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. There's no way for me to tell you what that word torments means. It's so painful, so agonizing, that, that words are inadequate to describe what that word means. He found out. He couldn't get out of hell. When he found out he couldn't get out of hell, he said, well, I've got five brothers who still have an opportunity to be saved. I want somebody to go warn them so they don't come to this awful place. The reply came back to him, why, they got Moses, they got the prophets, they got the evangelists, they got the pastors, why, let them hear them. He said, no, you don't understand. They won't listen to the preachers. They won't listen to the evangelists, the pastor. But, if one rose up from hell itself, came through that back door, walked down one of these aisles, and people could see the pain and the agony and smell the stench of the fire on his body, he said, they will repent. But did you read verse 31? It says, if they hear not Moses, if they hear not the prophet, if they not hear, hear not the preacher, the evangelist, the pastor, they wouldn't be saved even if one rose up from hell this morning and walked down this aisle and begged you to be saved. Folks, listen to me. The Bible says, the Bible says that God hath chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. If you can't get saved on the preaching of a man of God with a broken heart for your soul, you're going to die and go to hell. And let me tell you something else. Most probably the way you leave this building today will be the way you meet God, saved or lost. 
heaven bound or hell bound. I'm an evangelist gifted by God with the gift of evangelism. My heart beats for folks to be saved. My burden is folks to be saved. I wake up at night with a burden on my heart to see people saved. I don't want anybody to go to hell. Breaks my heart. But if you can't get saved today, you will. Go to that awful place called hell. And it'll break my heart, but most of all, it'll break God's heart. Who cares if you go to hell? God the Father cares. God the Son cares. God the Holy Spirit cares. The saved in heaven care. The lost in hell care. And you know what else? Southside Baptist Church cares if you go to hell. Jeff Parker cares if you go to hell. I have the utmost respect for my brother and my friend Jeff Parker. I don't know a person in Mississippi that tries to do more for the down and out than this man of God. And I'm going to tell you something. You can't be part of a church that would be better for your service to be in than this one. To help this man of God and others in this church try to reach others in this community that are headed to hell without Jesus Christ. Jeff Parker and Southside Baptist Church cares. Ain't nobody else invited you to Christmas dinner, have they? Amen. <laughs> and you know what else? You don't know me, but I care too. This is what I've given my life to. I don't have time to recite all my life and my past and what I was, but I was a very successful business person many, many years ago. I surrendered to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I wouldn't trade it and I wouldn't step down to be president of the United States of America. Matter of fact, you couldn't pay me to be president of the United States of America. <laughs> Amen. I'm a gospel preacher. Nothing better in the whole world than that. I do. I care whether you go to hell or not. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't impress that on your heart, then I can't do anything about it. But I care about you. Can I close with a true story? Is that all right? Y'all got just maybe three more minutes? I read this story the first time I told it. But out on the Sea of Galilee one day, one of the principles in the story that I'm fixing to tell you told it to me from his own lips, and it means a whole lot for me, to me. It happened, oh, maybe 70 years ago now, I don't know, a long time ago, up in Arkansas. Anybody from Arkansas? You know, folks, it's a strange thing. Nobody claims to be from Arkansas anymore. <laughs> anyway... They were having a revival meeting at this particular church. And as a, I should have been born about 50, 60 years ago. I think I'd have fit in better. As a requirement for church membership, you had to go out during revival and witness and invite somebody to revival meeting. They had a big old basket full of lost prospects. They were going down this aisle and this aisle and this aisle, and everybody's reaching in getting one, getting one, getting one. There was a 15-year-old boy there by the name of Wayne Ward. Brother Jeff knows who that is. Used to be a professor at one of our seminaries and a great preacher. Anyway, he reached in there and he got a name and he looked at it. He wanted to put it back in. His name was Squire Deal. 
Now, Square Deal was a used car salesman. We got any used car salesmen here, don't get offended. One of the best Christians ever known was a used car salesman. But they said Square Deal was so crooked, he would cheat his own mama if he could make a dollar. And Wayne said, Lord, I'll pray for that guy, but I wouldn't be caught dead talking to him about Jesus. Well, God didn't make a mistake when he led his hand in there to get Squire Deal's name. And because he was saved, God put a burden on his heart. And he didn't want to, but he made his way up next afternoon to a little old car lot where Squire Deal had his cars and started to walk on, uh, knock on the door. And just by the time he started to knock on the door, the door swung open and out walked Squire Deal with two other men. Wayne said, uh-huh, they're probably going to rob a bank right now. And Wayne looked up, he said, Mr. Squire, we having a revival up there at the Baptist Church, and we're praying that you'll get saved. And he said, Squire Deal began to breathe. He's a big old man. And the more he breathed, the bigger he got. The more he breathed, the bigger he got. And he looked down at Wayne. He said, you little whippersnapper, if I want you, I'll call for you. And Wayne took off running like a scared rabbit. You know what he did that night? He snuck into church. He got on the back row. He didn't want anybody to ask him if he saw his prospect. And then he had been there maybe 30 seconds, and whispers started all over the sanctuary. Squire deal, squire deal, squire deal. Wayne said, my Lord, they've heard what I did. But he looked up as big as life. There was square deal sitting in church. People have been coming to that church all their life, never seen him in church before, maybe at a funeral, but not at regular service. And Wayne said, now, Lord, you got him to church, now you can save him. Old country preacher got up and preached a simple gospel, gave the invitation. Square deal didn't know how you're supposed to get saved, sophisticated Baptist-like, but the Spirit of God crushed his sinful heart that night. And he didn't walk down the aisle. He ran down the aisle. He fell on his knees, cried like a baby. And they said you could hear him praying repentance, a prayer of repentance above the song being played. Tears wet his shirt. He got born again. Pastor brought him up. Pastor brought him up in front of the people. He said, Squire Deal, you got anything you want to say? Squire Deal began to look around that sanctuary. He spotted, spotted Wayne Ward, that boy on the back row. He said, come here, boy. <laughs> Listen, he said he wasn't sure he wanted to get that close to him even now. But with his knees knocking, he made his way down the aisle. He said he got down there. He said that big old man put that big old burly arm around him and drew him up. And with tears coursing down his cheeks and with a trembling voice. He said, son, I want to thank you for coming to get me. Son, I want to thank you for caring about an old man that nobody ever cared about before. They said they had to teach Square Deal how to talk all over again. He couldn't say three words without cussing. And Square Deal would take Wayne around to supply preach at churches in one of his old cars. And before Wayne would preach, Squire Deal would always give his testimony. He'd say, folks, I ain't got no education, nothing like Wayne does, but I just wish I could tell you what Jesus has done for me. 
Wayne Ward, who's got more uh, degrees than a thermometer, theologically speaking, says the greatest sermon he ever heard because it came from a man's heart who had been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Wayne went into service in the Navy to serve our country. While in the Navy, he got a letter from his dad. Said, son, old square deal died of cancer. They had his service up at the Baptist church today. Said, you couldn't get near the place for the many people that came that came pay a tribute to a miracle of God's grace. Soon as Wayne got out of the service and came home, he went to the cemetery after visiting the grave of his mama. He went to the grave of old square deal. He said he knelt down there, began to reminisce about that old man. He said as he bowed his head, he said he could still feel that big old arm. He could still see that tear-stained face. He could still hear that trembling voice say, Son, thank you for coming to get me. Thank you for caring about an old man that nobody ever cared about before. Folks, I don't know how to say it any differently. Who cares if you go to hell? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the saved in heaven, the lost in hell. I care. This man of God cares. These people care. There's only one question left to ask. You listen to me. And that question is this. Do you care? Do you care if you go to hell? Because you're going to answer that question. And can I be real honest with you? I'm going to be. It'd be good if you let me, but I'm going to do it anyway. The truth is, there's only one that wants you to go to hell. And the Bible calls him a liar, a deceiver, and a dammer of men's souls. His name is the devil. His name is Satan, Lucifer, the one who stalks our path all our days till we leave this earth. That's the only one that wants you to go to hell. I want to ask you to do something for me, would you? I want to ask you to stand very quietly and very prayerfully. I want to ask that nobody leave this sanctuary unless it's an absolute emergency. I want to ask you to bow your heads. I want to ask you to close your eyes. I want to ask that nobody talk, nobody whisper. There be no unnecessary movement. I want to ask you to do something. You notice I said ask because I can't demand it. I want to ask you to be honest. I want to ask you to be honest. Let me tell you how honest I want to ask you to be. I want to ask you to be as honest as you're going to have to be one day when you stand before God. And that's real honest. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you, being as honest as you're going to have to be when you stand before God, could say to holy God, only God is looking on. Brother Jeff's not. God's looking on. This is just between you and the Lord. How many of you could say to omniscient, all-knowing God, Lord, you know that I'm your child. Lord, I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. I know I've been born again. I know I'm saved. 
If you could say that with 100% certainty, would you just lift your hand, please, wherever you are. Lord, I'm positive I'm going to heaven when I die. God bless you. Thank you so much. Numbers of you, numbers of you could not raise your hand that you're sure for heaven. I'd like to ask you to do another thing. I'd like to ask, and thank you for that. You can put your hands down if you raise them that time. I'd like to ask you to do one more thing. And I appreciate you doing that. Thank you very much. I'd like to ask you not only to be honest with the Lord, I'd like to ask you to be honest with me. Now, I give you my word of honor. That's all I have, and I realize y'all don't know me. But I give you my word of honor. My motives are pure and holy. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back there where you are. I'd never do such a thing. But I need you to be honest with me so I can help you come to Jesus before it's too late. You couldn't raise your hand a moment ago that you're sure for heaven, but you'd say, Brother Gary, I, I want to be saved. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'd like to ask you as a man of God to pray for me, to pray for me that I might be saved this morning. If you would simply allow me to pray for you to be saved this morning, would you just slip your hand up across the building, wherever you are, just say, Preacher, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Numbers of hands. Numbers of hands. God bless you. Others, raise them up. Come on. Come on. All right, God bless you. Thank you so much. To those of you who just raised your hand, numbers of you did. Listen to me. I want to help you be saved today. I can't save you, but I can help you get to the one who can. Listen carefully. I want to lead you in a prayer that you can pray. Listen. I want to lead you in a prayer that you can pray. And if you'll pray this prayer with your whole heart, with your whole being, with everything that's in you, not with your head, but with your heart. With the deepest part of your soul. If you'll pray this prayer and mean it, I promise you that Jesus Christ will forgive you of every sin. He'll come to live inside your heart. He'll put your name in the books of heaven never to be erased. He'll walk with you every day of the rest of your life. And when this life is over, He'll take you to heaven forevermore. Preacher, I'm willing to do that. Listen. Listen to me. As I lead you in this prayer, I will pause along the way to give you ample time to repeat these words of this prayer. And if this prayer represents the desire of your heart, now you can pray the prayer and say the right words and still die and go to hell. If you don't mean it, you've got to mean it. And I'll give you ample time to pray the words of this prayer. So you can be saved. You'd say, preacher, I'm willing to do that right now. All right, pray with me right now. Just say, dear God. You can, pray, you can pray silently or loud, whichever you choose. doesn't matter. Just say, dear God. Lord, you know I'm a sinner. I've done many things wrong. And Lord, the best way I know how. I come right now to ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And the best way I know how, I turn from my sins in repentance. Lord, I don't want to stay like I am any longer. Lord, I turn my back on my old way of life. 
Lord, cleanse my heart. Forgive me of every sin. Now, Lord Jesus, by faith, trusting in you and only in you to save me. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart right now and save me and change me. Help me never, ever to be the same again. And help me not be ashamed of you because you are not ashamed of me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for dying for me, and for saving me. Now listen carefully. If you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, I want you to look up here at me right now. Did you mean it? If you really meant it, I want you to meet me right here. I want you to step out and come right here. That's right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You prayed that prayer and you really meant it. I want you to come on right now. Come on. That's right. Amen. 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 Come on. Come on. I'm going to back up some more to give you some more room. We've got many coming. If you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, I want you to come. This is an eternal decision. Come on to Jesus before it's too late. Nobody will love you like Jesus loved you. Nobody wants to bless you like Jesus wants to bless you. Now, I can't promise you that you're going to get a million dollars tomorrow. Amen? I can't promise you that your physical conditions might improve just like that. But I will promise you this. He'll be that friend, the Bible says, that sticketh closer than a brother. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never leave you begging bread. Amen? Amen. Let Brother Jeff help you. Let this church help you. You need to get involved in church and Bible study so you can learn what the Bible says about growing in Christ and becoming a disciple of Christ and telling others. And I want to encourage you to go tell your friends about Jesus so you can... So you can uh, go to heaven with them or they can go to heaven with you as the case may be I want to have a prayer with you and then brother Jeff will give you some instructions father I want to thank you for these precious precious people that are here today I want to thank you Lord that the Holy Spirit has touched their heart and they've given their heart to the Lord Jesus and God I want you to Help them to walk with you and to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus. I want you to help them to become soul winners themselves. I want you to help them go into their part of this world and tell others and help change their area. And God, I know there's only one answer for South Jackson, Mississippi. And it's, and it's not in politics. It's not in people. It's in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray for my new brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray you'll bless them the rest of the days of their life. And I thank you that I'll have the privilege to spend eternity with them as we sing praises to the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.